Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I know there are people who don't pay their taxes. I'm not talking to any peoples in this room because I know y'all all all love Jesus and you would never disobey the law. I'm going to give you that. Okay. But there are people, believe it or not, there are Christians who say they don't believe in paying taxes. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell us. That we are to pay taxes. Y'all got mighty quiet on me, didn't you? The, the Bible, Mr. Salman, turn me up because they got quiet. I don't think they must can't hear me. You must can't hear me. Can you hear me? The Bible doesn't tell us that we are to pay taxes if we feel like paying taxes. The Bible tells us that we are to pay taxes because the Bible tells us to. How so, Pastor Rodney? Well, they had it on for you on the screen real quick. Romans 13, 5 through 7. Therefore, you must be subject not only... Because of wrath, Paul writes, but also for conscience sake, for because of this, you also pay taxes for they, the government is the context are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing and render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due customs to whom custom is due fear to whom fear is due and honor to whom honor is due. We are to pay our taxes. Now, I know the argument is, well, I don't like taxes. They are too high. I get that. And I know if you live out in California, I feel for you. Do y'all know the tax in California is like up to like 50%? Like people, fifth, every dollar you make, you're giving away 50 cents. For those roads? For those streets? Anybody know what I'm talking about? For those streets? But some of those cities, some of their cities is California is the land of nuts, fruits and flakes. I love you if you're from there, but it's a land of nuts, fruits and flakes. I told y'all pray. I'm going to need security when I get out of here today. I'll be getting out of church like this. Security in front of me. The cities, they're horrible. Many of them are horrible. And you know, I know what I'm talking about. Some of them. Drug needles on the street and people relieving themselves on the streets in the United States of America. Can you believe that? And people would say, well, I don't want to pay my taxes to them. Listen, the way to deal with that is not to disobey the law and to disobey God. The way to handle that is you vote them folk out of office who are taking care of these cities. That's the way you handle that. But then you obey God because we're called to obey the scriptures. Somebody please say amen. And I'm not saying don't take legitimate tax breaks. Oh, by all means. 
Take legitimate tax breaks. Find yourself the best tax. I'm trying to help you. Find yourself the best tax guy you can find who knows every single loophole, nook and cranny of all the tax breaks and tell him, give them to me. You know, Chuck Smith, Chuck Smith said this, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and not a penny more. Don't you love that? Because he's already getting enough. So we're to take tax breaks. You know, this little boy, he wanted, listen to this, he wanted $100 badly. And he prayed to God for a whole week, but nothing happened. And so he decided to write God a letter requesting $100. When the post office got the letter, listen, when the post office got the letter addressed to God, they forwarded it on to the White House. Well, the president was very impressed. He was touched and amused, and so he instructed his aide to send the boy $5. He thought $5 would be a lot of money to this little boy. Well, the boy was delighted to receive the money. He sat down, and he wrote a thank you note immediately, which read, Dear God, thank you very much for sending the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you had to send it through Washington, and as usual, they kept most of it. That's true. Everybody's excited about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl tonight, everybody having, anybody having Super Bowl party? Who's having Super Bowl party? Some of y'all don't want people coming over. That's why you ain't raise your hand, right? I know, two people went like this here. Now, I know there are more people in here that's having a Super Bowl party. Y'all lying in a sanctuary. You know that. Stop it. Stop it. Everybody's excited about the Super Bowl. Nobody's excited about tax season. Nope, right? Nobody enjoys paying taxes. You know, the Internal Revenue Service feels more like the Infernal Revenue Service or the Eternal Revenue Service. The Bible says, Christians, we need to pay every cent we owe. Why? Because whatever belongs to Caesar, give to Caesar. And whatever has an image of God or what belongs to God, give it to God. Now, listen to me close. One of the most important things, I'm I'm thinking through this yesterday, and I'm thinking one of the most important things. What is the most important thing I can tell you in Money Matters? Because this is the last one. Next Sunday, back in Mark. What is the most important thing I can tell you about Money Matters? I would say the most important thing that I could tell you about Money Matters and about this series, that if you were to just can get one thing, what would that one thing be? I will give you this. God owns everything. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. I'll give you one more. Your money is not yours. Y'all got a whole lot less excited, didn't they? Your money's not yours. Oh. Hold on, pastor. I work 60 hours a week for that. It's mine. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. Deuteronomy 10.14, to the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Psalm 50 verse 10, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Psalm 50 verse 12, the world is mine. And all that is in it, Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. First Chronicles 29.11. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom 
you are exalted as head over all. God owns everything. And if you want to ask somebody who got taught that lesson real quick, ask King Nebuchadnezzar. One of the most influential kings and powerful kings in history. And he learned that all things belong to God. Remember, it's in Daniel chapter four and he's walking in his garden. Don't turn there. He's walking in his garden. He said, I've built a great kingdom. He's looking at the great gardens of Babylon and they were beautiful. And one of the wonders of the world at the time and no one had ever seen anything like the gardens of Babylon and the kingdom of Babylon and its beauty and its majesty and its splendor and its glory. Nobody had seen anything like that. And, and Nebuchadnezzar is walking around. Look at all I built. Look at everything, the great kingdom that I have built. And God answered him real quick. God took away his sanity, remember? And he went crazy. And King Nebi was found outside eating grass like a cow. Seven years later, God restored. Daniel 4, 34 through 37 says the king no longer looked to possessions, but he began to look to God. You see, you might have put in the long hours and you may have made the good investments for your money, but you absolutely have to acknowledge that your life belongs to the Lord. Somebody say amen. Your life. Your life, your life belongs to the Lord. Your breath belongs to the Lord. Say amen. Your health belongs to the Lord. Say amen. You got up this morning because the Lord allowed you to get up this morning. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. Every day and everything in him we live, we move, and we have our being. So you cannot lay hold of your possessions and say, look what I made. Look what I've done. You did those things by the grace and the goodness of God. I'm awake. I'm awake. Our money is ours in the sense that God gives it to us for us to be responsible stewards over it, to use it for his glory and for his kingdom. Right? It's God's provision. And can I just tell you this? I've been trying to remember to tell you this for like three weeks. Don't overspend. So often we get a new job and we want to spend more money. We get a new job and now we can afford a bigger house. So we get a bigger house when the house that you live in is just fine. I want to get a bigger house. I want five bathrooms and eight bedrooms. Why you need five bathrooms? You can only use one at a time. Come on, wave at me and say, that's right, Pastor Roddy. Not unless you got some special skills that no man on earth knows about. Why you need a bigger house? People, what happens is, saints, I'm trying to help you this morning. People make more money and then they want to spend more money. Why not make more money and use more money for the kingdom of God and be satisfied and content with what you have? We want a bigger house because we got these boys and they run around. Don't get me wrong. I got three grandsons and they are all over the place. I am telling you, I don't care where we are in the house. They seem to come out the walls and they multiply. 
I mean, we got three. It seems like there's 30 children up there. What is going on? And you're like, what are y'all doing up there? Shut up! Because I'm very spiritual in my home. And I love the Lord. He loves me back. I mean, I, now, shut up! What are y'all doing up there? They come out the wall. And you think, get a bigger house. Get it so they can run around more. Listen, that's not going to help. And why you want to get a bigger house? You don't clean the one you got right now. Y'all ain't ready. <laughs> you know I'm just kidding. Calm down. We gotta get a bigger house and we get a nicer car and we gotta get this and we gotta get that and we gotta get this. How about this? Calm down. God's giving you more so that you could use more for the kingdom. How about this? God's giving you more so you can save some money so that you can do the things that you wanna do and you can help the church when you can help the church. You know, so often we don't help the church because we're spending everything that we have on ourselves. So don't spend more. Isn't that what we learned when we were like, Young, don't, I'm talking to one person, where you at, okay? <laughs> we learn, don't spend more than you need. And put some up. Your mama tried to teach you that when she got you a, big, a piggy bank. That's where it all starts, with the piggy bank. Just learning to put something away. Don't spend, overspend so you can be a blessing to the church. Everything belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord is your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms this covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. So give to God what belongs to God. Now, in our text, watch this. Wake up right here. In our text, what you are giving to Caesar, we establish is not a gift. It belongs to Caesar. And what you are giving to God belongs to God. It is not a gift. So then the question, what belongs to God? What is Jesus talking about? Well, keep in mind the coin I mentioned had the image of Caesar on it and the coins were propaganda, proclaiming Caesar to be God and worshiping him. And Jesus saints, watch this, watch this. Jesus is saying, give to Caesar the taxes and the money due to Caesar, but do not give to Caesar what belongs to God. And what belongs to God? Worship. Jesus is saying, you can pay your taxes to Caesar, but don't you dare give your, mon- give your worship and your praise and your adoration to Caesar. You don't dare make him God. You see, Jesus is smart. Give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God what's God's. What is God's? Worship. Proclaiming him to be God. Not Caesar the August one, the divine one. He's not God. There is one God. And one mediator between God and man. Are you listening to me? One mediator between God and man. The man. You already know. Give to God. The question. What else belongs to God? Worship. Yes. And 
How about this? Keep your pen. You belong to God. How about that? Are you following me? You belong to God. We, the Bible teaches, we bear the mark of God's image. And if you are a Christian, you have the super inscription of God on your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22 set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. And even if you're not a Christian, you are still, watch this, made in the image of God. Every human being is made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 tells us, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And people who don't understand that humans are made in the image of God, pray for me. People who don't understand that humans are made in the image of God devalue life. They do. And that's why people can so easily and readily dismiss abortion. That is why. Because they say, and you know this is true, they say that in the womb the baby is not a life. They say it's a tissue. And if, in fact, it's just a tissue, well, then you can say, well, why not go ahead and have an abortion? It is just tissue. It is not tissue. So then you say to them, well, when does life begin? What trimester do you believe life begin? And do you understand that even there is legislation now in certain states where you can abort a baby or kill a baby even after it's outside of the mother's womb? Saints, I don't care how you dice it, slice it, ginsu, slice it, do whatever you want to do with it. That the Bible calls murder. It's a baby. Well, it's not a baby until it has life. But when does it have life? It can have life in the womb. Well, it has life when it can live on its own. Well, does that mean that someone who is paralyzed from top, from their head, that living on a machine or something, machines are helping their lungs to keep going or whatever, does it mean that they don't have life? Does it mean that they're dead? Should we kill them too? Listen to this argument. Do you understand? And this all begins when we begin to devalue life because we don't look at people as made in the image of God. How so? Because we have a spirit. God is a spirit. We're able to love. God loves. We have some of the same attributes of God. We are not God. Say amen. amen. We're made in the image of God. And as long as people continue to accept evolution and deny creation, our view of man decreases, abortion, murder killings, and doctor death will increase. So what else are we to give to God? We're to give to God not only our worship but, and our lives, but we're to give him our hearts, right? Say amen. And, and, we're, and we're, the Bible tells us, that we're to give to God our financial offerings, we're to bring to God our financial gifts. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. On the first day of the week, and here I want you to get your pen ready. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. You hold on to that idea. Hold on to that. No collections when I come. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. 
But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also what, saints? And y'all come on. He who sows sparingly will also what, saints? And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you as he... Is it on the screen? So let each one of you give as he... Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God, what, loves a cheerful giver. Let me give you really quickly. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, I've given you these before. Let me give them to you again. Seven principles of giving. And there are probably more, but we have time for seven. I'm going to give you seven. Seven principles of giving, all right? Number one, our giving should be prearranged. The Bible tells us on the first day of the week. The first day of the week was the day that the church met for church services. It was Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Sunday was the first day of the week and became the day that Christians would gather for church. And it's been that way ever since. Paul said on the first day of the week, I want you to prearrange a financial gift. In other words, you should. Now, we've talked about this, not going to spend a lot of time. You should have your gift ready. Get your gift ready at home. There's a lot of reasons for that, but prearrange it. Somebody asked me, as a matter of fact, as we've been talking about money matters, well, what about the person who gives once a month because they're a check? You know, they give once a month or they pay is once a month or whatever, and all of that's fine. I think Paul is just simply making a point, and the reason Paul is making this point about get your gift ready and before I come, because you have to understand that in the early church, they worked and they were paid day wages. So at the end of the day, you got your money you went home, you put your money in the cookie jar, and then on Saturday, you go in the cookie jar, and I got to pay this, pay that, pay that, and do this. I'm going to give this to the Lord, and you took that money, and you went to church, and you put it in the offering. So they got money every day. Now, we live in a, diff- a different economy. We have, uh, you know, people get paid once a month. People have direct deposit uh, from their check or whatever, and then they set it up through the employer to come straight to the church. There's many ways to give, but the overarching principle that Paul is trying to help us to understand is that we are to get our gift ready and let us not get it ready when we come to church. Because there's quite honestly nothing more... I'm, look, I'm human, okay? And this happened. I've walked by the offering box. I'm going out the door with everybody else and, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And somebody's sitting by the offering box, you know, they're on the back walls a facility marked ties and offering you can give online, which is easy, convenient, and so I walk by, and they're writing their checkout. They're sitting by the offering box. Oh, okay, give me a check. They're writing their checkout. I'm human. I can't help it. If they're writing their checkout, I got to look over. You know, you're, you're human. Come on, y'all. Somebody's writing the check, and you just walk by, and you're, hey, and, hey, hey. Oh, you need to add a zero on there. You kind of cheap, ain't you? I mean, we're human. So when you get it ready, here's another reason why to get it ready. Because if you don't have it ready and then you're walking out the door, you go, oh, I forgot to give. Now you're scrambling through your purse or through your wallet or whatever. And you got this chunk of money and it's balled up and then you stick it in. And, and there's no purpose in that. It's not purposeful giving. It's just giving your change or giving your leftovers. Paul said, may it be prearranged. Let's move forward. Point number two. A giving should be prepared. Well, this goes together with prearranged. Let each one of you lay something aside. We just read it. The Greek language reads, keep something aside. Not just a one-time thing. Again, in that culture, they got paid every day. 
And then they would give it on the first day of the week. Keep something aside. Okay, number three, our giving, we're talking about seven principles of giving. If you're with me, say amen. Our giving should be proportional, proportional as God has prospered you. That means you're giving according to the way God has given to you. So has God poured out abundantly on you? Then you give abundantly. And if you're having a hard time and you're barely making it, then your gift can be reduced proportionately. But every one of us, and here's my point, every single one of us can afford to give something. Two people say amen. We can all give something. And again, the reason why we all don't give something because we're overspent. Or we spend our money on Starbucks. Starbucks. I don't drink coffee. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.